Hi, everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. We've got Amanda Cohen on the show today, who has been wildly successful with Dirt Candy. It's a renowned plant-based restaurant in New York. And I believe you've been, right, Zach? I, I've been off. And honestly, I can trace this restaurant back to some of my earliest days in the city when I was still working as a waiter. Uh, it was a real treat for my coworkers and I to get over there and see what she was doing. And mm-hmm. to see, you know, 15 years later, she's still thriving with her concept yeah. and winning awards. It's truly, it's remarkable and across the board. And Honestly, I'm I'm going to throw this out there. It might be the most excited to talk to her of anyone we've had on so far. Oh, wow. That's a bold statement. Very bold. I know. And I get excited very easily, but this is this is huge. I got history with this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, also just in general, the whole plant-based scene and the restaurants that are so focused on this, I think it's, it's so interesting seeing how they come up with the menus, the seasoning they're using. You can be so creative in your technique um, with it when it comes to vegetarian and vegan. Yeah. It's the most exciting part of the food market right now, in my opinion, because there's so much creativity. There's yeah. so much being built. And and I truly think that it's taking cooking back to its roots and just forcing people to think outside the box in the best way. So, yeah, there's we're going to learn a lot today. And I'm really, really happy she's here. Mm-hmm. Let's get it started. All right. Well, Amanda, we're so excited to have you on the show to talk about Dirt Candy and all of your success in the industry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Amanda, we're really, I'm personally also very excited to talk to you because uh, you basically opened up right around the time I first moved to New York City uh, when I was working in restaurants as a as a fledgling little waiter before I had a place <laughs> of my own. And we would go over, you were blocks away from a little wine bar that I worked at over on 4th Street and we would leave our shift and we would we would go or we would try to meet before shift to come and, and eat at your place. <laughs> so it's just great to be talking to you. It's like a full time warp for me. I'll be able to gush about yeah. you as we go on here. I have a, I, I'm very happy to be talking to you. But I actually realized that for a lot of people listening, they they may never have heard of you, unfortunately. But uh, I'm I'm also we also like to start this kick this off with the basics and the the groundwork. How did you come to be uh, in the hospitality business? What what brought you into the food world? Um, I had graduated from university and I've sort of been traveling around the world, mostly in Asia. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do, except that I wanted to keep traveling. But I needed a skill to pay uh, for that traveling because sadly it wasn't free. Um, And the only thing I really liked to do and thought that, you know, I would, you know, I would sort of enjoy doing as I was living this carefree lifestyle that I thought I was going to have was to cook. So I I came back to the city, uh, went to cooking school and and then ended up sort of sticking here and and not traveling very much for... uh, so and I understood you said university too. Um, you went. You're Canadian, yes? Oh, yeah, I am Canadian, yeah. but I went to NYU. So oh, you went. To, oh, so you moved here for for university. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a good reason to a lot of people kind of get that travel bug and then end up in the culinary world. Um, it happened to me, uh, but <laughs> I, I was just also wondering. Dirt candy is part of the reason we're talking to you here today. I personally remember when it opened up in 2008 that it was seen as very groundbreaking. Um, and outside of the, mm-hmm. you know, the luck of being so close to it and being able to appreciate it, uh, it seems like it's not lost any of that kind of like core value. But I just was like really curious to hear about what it was like to to jump into the industry back then with the concept. And what was it like for you to come up 
with the the idea and to to execute it at a time when a lot when not very many people were doing what you're doing well yeah um well you know it's funny because i had been cooking in the city probably for maybe 14 years before that um so uh, or maybe somewhere between 14 and 10 i can't remember um but uh (laughs) Uh, so I had, I mean, I'd been a part of this world. I didn't come back to open the restaurant, right? I had just sort of, at, at the time, I had had a number of jobs, and I was mostly cooking in vegetarian restaurants, although I went back and forth a little. And um, I, I kind of reached this, the point in my career in the vegetarian restaurants that existed at that time in the city where there wasn't much sort of <laughs> any more places I could go. My My career was sort of going to stall and, and I could be chefs at other vegetarian restaurants but they were all sort of a, of a certain ilk um, so I would, didn't feel like I was really going to grow as a chef that way and so my choice was either to open my own restaurant or to go back into sort of the omnivore world of cooking and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know not necessarily start from the uh, bottom floor which didn't bother me I just really wasn't interested in it um, yeah Right. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just open a restaurant then. Um, and having worked for a number of years in a restaurant, I really thought I knew what I was doing. And as it turned out, you just never know what you're doing before you open a restaurant. <laughs> it's, yeah. True words yeah. never spoken. True. So did you, so uh, Dirt Candy is vegetarian, not vegan. Is that correct? It's both. You, we, whatever okay. you want it to be. Okay. Got it. Got it. I wanted to know how the menu, how, how you kind of started thinking about the menu and how you use some of the, should I say, like the omnivore dishes to create them into these vegetarian, vegan deliciousness? I mean, we basically have two versions of, of every dish. So if we can, we try to keep as much vegan in a dish as possible so we don't uh, overtax the kitchen. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, if we have to, we'll run two exact same dishes. One's vegan, one's vegetarian. It, it just seemed when I opened, uh, and I'm not vegan, uh, I'm not even vegetarian, but I'm, I'm definitely not vegan. It just seemed sad to sort of lose uh, a huge portion of that community and a community that had really supported me along the way because that's where I had uh, cooked for many years. Yeah. I find that you can get really creative, though, with the vegetarian and vegan dishes. Like, there's such a use of, like, different kinds of spices and the way you cook. I mean, we've got Bloom in Chicago, which I'm obsessed with. It's the vegan restaurant, and it's so delicious. And, I mean, <laughs> you could walk in there, and if you're not – vegan or vegetarian, you would never know. It's right. so good. So I love that there's this exploratory phase that you can go with with the cooking and the menu. Yeah, I mean, as it turns out, I really like vegetables and they're yeah. sort of perfect for me to, to be creative. I wouldn't know what to do. Like, what I can do with a carrot, I wouldn't know how to do that with a steak. Like, I, would just, like, I just yeah. wouldn't. I mean, the poor steak. <laughs> a lot of trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you find, especially because I didn't know that you were you weren't vegetarian, but do you find that cooking in such a in, in a limited capacity or, or only just using vegetables, does that kind of hone in creativity or like make you come up with like more interesting things? Because I feel like I would be inspired to to try or to take more risks, I guess I would say. Right. Um, but is that sort of how it works for you in trial and error process? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm mostly vegetarian, so don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will try anything, and I've, I'm probably more considered a pescatarian. And I, like at home, we're definitely vegetarian, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it it sort of, you know, I had started, or <clears throat> one of my earlier jobs was I had worked at a raw food restaurant, um, and it was the first job where I was actually sort of. Uh, 
promoted into a position where I was expected to create dishes. And so um, that was, you know, that's sort of wild that, you know, the first time, like, I was like, oh, look at me, I'm going to be a chef. And then you're like, oh, I can't use a stove. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, sure. So, it's wrong. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, that I was pretty creative there and I learned a lot and it was a really interesting experience. And so um, everybody's always like, oh, you must be so limited. You're cooking with vegetables and you're a vegetarian restaurant. And to me, actually, the reality is, is that when I opened Dirt Candy, I was like, I got a stove. I can do what I want. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. sort of still feel that way. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's certain things we can't use, but there's so to me, it always feels like there's so much more that we can use. And that mm-hmm. it really does allow us all to be like crazy creative and, and it's so much fun. And we think of the kitchen as like our little lab and yeah, we can do whatever we want. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And um, one of the nice things about sort of the cuisine that we cook here, uh, which is, you know, vegetable cuisine, uh, there <laughs> there's really not sort of a... Uh, a formula for it there there's no encyclopedia for it you know so when I was first starting out with dirt candy and I was you know I'm really a vegetable restaurant and not so much a vegetarian restaurant which nothing wrong with vegetarian restaurants but we were just really trying to focus on vegetables um I would look up recipes and I'd be like oh nothing exists and I was like okay Mm -hmm. so I I guess there's no recipes and I can do whatever I want and and that's still how I sort of feel now yeah, I mean, it seems like that, that was that was what stood out to me when we first started going to the restaurant was in East Village, it felt like there was a vegetarian restaurant every other block or like it wasn't that you were doing vegetables only. It was that you were doing them so differently and so well. Right. So that's that's the mm-hmm. fun of it is that you've you've elevated it to a to a place that I think a lot of people uh, appreciate, uh, myself included. Yeah. But uh, and speaking of appreciation, I was going to uh, say we got well, we to pause we, here. Yeah, we I wanted to bring up. The fact that you finally, after years of hard work, you got awarded a Michelin star um, this year. So congratulations on that. We're very happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what was your reaction like to that? Because I know uh, you've worked for a long time and a lot of these other places on the list weren't, you know, they're a year too old. Uh, and it's a difference for you because that means I would almost say it's a, it's a more prestigious honor to get it that far in in a certain way because it's hopefully they're, they're changing their, their methods. But you're doing something right, obviously. So. <laughs> I just was wondering yeah. if you wanted to like elaborate on what it's like to to have that award in your chest. Uh, yeah, I mean it was sort of unexpected, um, and it it uh, they had uh, called us, sort of kept asking if we were going to the party. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> like, that's weird <laughs> they're like are you sure you don't want to come I'm like no like, but you're like really awkward. Um, <laughs> I don't want to see everybody like a bl- else. Is it a black tie event? I, what is I it? Mean, I, I think so. It's pretty fancy. And usually <laughs> up until this she year. Doesn't <laughs> she doesn't know. That's right. That's true. <laughs> she didn't know. Well, because also up until this year, they had, you, they kind of called you the day it came out before it was released in the news. And mm-hmm. so you learn. And then usually the party was actually like not that night. Like it was a couple of days later. So you didn't find out at the party. And it just like everything was upside down this year oh got it Um, like a golden globe thing you know yeah exactly yeah yeah Uh, and so somebody called me and they're like are you here i was like no and they're like oh well that's awkward because they're calling your name and i was like oh for why (laughs) um and you know it's a hard thing because 
you know, five years, ten years ago, I would have cared so much, and it, and it really would have helped the trajectory of the restaurant, I think. Um, and uh, now it, it's quite an honor, and, and I'm pleased, and my, my staff is so pleased. Um, and, and I really hope that it means that, you know, I, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> I think I've become a much better cook over the past 15 years, which is uh, how long Dirt Candy's been open. Um, I still think we were a really great restaurant uh, to begin with, and uh, certainly once we left the little space and moved into the big space, I think uh, we were as competitive and as good as lots of other restaurants in the city, and it's really nice to see Michelin catching up with us. We're not catching up with Michelin. Um, I really feel that, you know, <laughs> this is sort of Michelin opening uh, its boundaries and guidelines and saying, hey, yeah, more vegetarian restaurants and more female chefs or, you know, let's see who else is out there who's cooking at the level that these other restaurants are. Yeah, so, I like flattering. that. They're catching up to us. Not, <laughs> yeah. We're not catching well up to them. Said. I like that. Yeah, well said. yeah very well said. <laughs> so I also want to talk about the plant-based burger concept that you're involved in. Is it, is it Leica Burger? Did I say that right? Uh, You you gave it a really good shot, though. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I just saw they're doing some some expansion right now. Tell us what that's been like. I know it first launched just before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, talk about bad timing. I mean, to be honest, actually, when I first opened Little, the smaller restaurant, it was like October 29th, 2008, which was like one of the worst days and like the recession uh, the started economy. yeah <laughs> and so yeah. uh then leka opened you know you know right literally right before the pandemic sort of got into full swing um oh, and uh it, it's been tough the that it's a it's in a particularly diff- difficult location it's in tribeca so it's sort of it's, it's really dependent on office workers and mm-hmm. they haven't really quite come back yet um yeah so, but it's it's been fun, and yeah, we're ex- we've expanded to a space uptown called Urban Space, like one of those food halls, and there's probably some more expansions on the way, and um, you know, it's it's nice to get into that fast casual field, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's very different than the fine dining world. Yeah, did you actually help develop the recipe for the burger itself, and is it on the menu as well, Dirt Candy, or is it just its own thing? Uh, I I did develop it, uh, all the recipes that are there, are mine, uh, but it's not at Dirt Candy. Every once in a okay. while, we'll do like a special crossover. Uh, yeah. But uh, in general, that's where you can find it. <laughs> mm, excellent. Well, okay. So I want to talk about tipping because I know that you eliminated tipping in your restaurant in 2015, which I feel like, I mean, on this show as well, it continues to be a really big topic around the country. Can you talk to us a little bit about the thought behind that and what advice you'd give to other restaurants thinking about potentially taking that step for their workers as well? Yeah. So what had happened was... I had my smaller restaurant and I had, I was looking for a cook um, and we'd always gotten a lot of uh, applicants because we were sort of really the only fi- fine dining vegetarian restaurant and, uh, you know, we were, there was a lot of uh, press about us and we also just needed one. Like it wasn't that big. It's not like I was trying to staff a kitchen of 20 over and over again. Uh, right. And honestly, I put this ad out and nobody applied. And oh. I was oh, like, wow. oh, what's happening? And I finally, yeah. like, you know, I, we put it out again and, like, one person walked in and they were like, I have no experience. And I was like, great, you're hired. 
um, <laughs> that it Lucky started day. really to, yeah it started like I like had this panic attack because like what am I gonna do like nobody seems to want to work for me there's no cooks out there and I'm mm. a, I like I just had signed the lease on this place basically and I was like and I need to staff the kitchen with like at least 15 right. to 20 people like I mean I cannot it's not like my little dirt candy where you know I can do it with like a prep cook and a line cook <laughs> like we really need staff now um, right and so I was like, okay, well, where are all the cooks? And I, you know, I sort of had this realization: cooks were sort of like really leaving the city for other great food cities that hadn't, um, you know, pre sort of the two thousands. I think you didn't really need to; you had to have New York on your resume if you wanted to be considered a great chef. Um, you had to at least come and work in some New York restaurants, and then you could go elsewhere. And there was a couple of other uh, cities in the states that were like that. And then all these like cities became great food cities. So we didn't have to have New York anymore. Like, you know, Nashville, it's a great food city. Who would have thought that like in 1995 when I was in cooking school? Um, all kinds of places like that. So cooks are leaving, obviously, because New York is like completely unaffordable. Um, and I was like, all right, well, I have to then be able to pay more. And it's not like I was underpaying my cooks at the time, but we were paying average wages. Um, and I sort of was looking around the restaurant. And I was like, well, you know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Because um, I only had one server uh, a night, basically, and, and that server was do, serving eh, somewhere between like 55 to 64 people a night. And the way the laws are in New York, and some of it's sort of very New York City uh, specific, and then some of it's not. It's around the country. So you really can't share your tips with anybody. So yeah. even though my dishwashers and my it's a law, right? So yeah, it's a law. Like yeah. you cannot. There's no yeah. Uh, no matter how you're paying, if they're on the tip credit, not tip credit, it's just you absolutely cannot in, in And there's New York the lawsuits City. that people, I mean, there was a whole phase of the lawsuits coming out oh, yeah. about it. That was, like that was constantly. Oh. Yeah. But even those lawsuits, like some of it, it was just people misunderstanding the law because they're really exactly. convoluted. Yeah. Um, so my server was going home with like sometimes like $600, $700 a night. <laughs> my cooks were going home with like $150. Um, oh, wow. And very special like situation because of how small the restaurant was. But I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's so much money here, and I, and I don't want to like take away like $600 from my server. I want to take away like a hundred, right? Like, because if I split that between the two people who are working at night, that's a that's $50 extra. That's a huge amount for them. Um, oh yeah. Without not you know affecting my server. So you know, I wasn't trying to punish my server. I was just trying to sort of share the wealth. Obviously, I couldn't um, do it like that. And so legally, the only way was to sort of take back. Um, how my servers were paid because right now under sort of the tipping system your f customers are basically your payroll they are paying your staff for you they're your HR department you're not your your staff don't really work for you your front of house they, they work for them you're not paying them the mm -hmm. bulk of their salary um, yeah. and I kind of thought that was ridiculous and the more I sort of went into the history and the system of tipping and it's to me it's a pretty awful system it's just filled with all these uh, it, it it can be so unsafe it's so racist it's so sexist um it's definitely not sort of like the most equal system across the board and i didn't want to participate in it so when we opened this restaurant uh we just didn't have tipping anymore we it took us a while to get to the exact right system, but now everything's just folded in. You get one bill. You don't have. There's not even a line for you to tip, and it works. You know, my back of house gets paid 
much higher than I think industry standard. They're $28 an hour to start. And then wow. My, wow. That's great. Yeah. And then my front of house, I don't actually have a problem <laughs> finding staff. Yeah. Um, and, That's great. And then my front of house is uh, about $32. Sometimes or if they have no experience, they'll start off just a little uh, lower as a server assistant, but they can get up to 32 pretty quickly. And, you know, for some people, it's their first job and they're really excited to make that much money. And for some people, they're sort of like veterans of the industry and, they're pretty excited not to, you know, have to worry. They're like, there's so much financial stability. And, you know, Dirt Candy is a, a pretty busy restaurant. We always, we basically always do the same number every night, somewhere between like 90 to 100. And uh, the, the day after Thanksgiving, it was rainy. It was miserable. And, or maybe the second day after Thanksgiving and uh, the, like, the Tuesday, Wednesday. And we weren't busy. Like, we only ended up doing like 75 um, and, you know, if you were in a normal restaurant, that would actually be a huge part of your salary as a server. Like, you'd be like, great, well, I didn't sure. have my, like, busy night. And instead, you're making the exact same, like, rain, blizzard, hail, tornado. Like, if you come to work, <laughs> you're going to get, you know, you you're can... You're money. Depend- yeah. yeah. But what a nice culture you've created there around that. I feel like it's like when your servers are more relaxed, they're able to deliver... I mean, I would imagine an even better service because it's like, hey, like I'm really enjoying it. I feel like I'm I'm supported by my organization and my boss. I, I think it's great. Well, actually, yeah, I was wondering too because you said it's a lot of places you were leading the charge on this in, in, a, in a in a big way when you first made this decision. Uh, but a lot of people who were similar to you have backtracked since, and I'm I'm really curious because uh, it sounds like you are someone who really appreciates her staff and who really. Uh, values their input are is this sort of like a collaborative like do you feel feedback on on how the 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 system works or like any changes you have to make or how is it that you've been able to stick this out when a lot of other places haven't because you're clearly doing something right i mean i just couldn't even imagine going back it would just look so bad <laughs> so i'm in it no matter what happens <laughs> successful not successful um one you know uh i do have a staff that really believes in it too and that's the staff who i want to have work for me i don't sort of after the pandemic I was mid-pandemic and coming in out of it I was like I don't want to have just bodies here like I'm here too much and all of us are here too much and I know this is just a job for people and that that's fine I don't expect this to be other people's life but I'd like them to want to be here and to want to work for me and yeah um, to sort of be working towards the same goals that we have as the restaurant And, and so that makes it much easier one of the things that happens when you go to you no know, tipping is, and it's unfortunate, is that there's not, you know, there was this real momentum and, and it stopped. And it, partially it's because it's a really, really expensive system. So I don't fault anybody for giving up on it. Your payroll taxes are huge. Um, oh, yeah. So much oh, more God, than yeah. you think, right? Because all of a sudden you're getting taxed on your workers' tips where beforehand you were. All your insurance is much higher because your the tip wages were never considered revenue. Now it's all revenue. And so, so there's these hidden costs. Um, and it does feel like in a way like you're getting, I feel sometimes like it's a punishment uh, sort of from like the federal government and the city state governments to go no push, no tipping versus, uh, you know, to have tipping. Uh, so it's sort of a much bigger question is how does this industry sort of uh, figure out with the laws that are in place to make it a system that actually works? Because most, most restaurateurs I know 
people aren't like, oh my God, we have to have tipping. They just want to figure out a way that it makes sort of financial sense for them. And, and it doesn't really right now because the laws are so against you. But if we could, you know, change those laws, I, I really truly believe uh, so many more restaurateurs uh, would come on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you find right. that you also, I'm, I'm assuming you don't have a problem with retention because I feel like that's also, I mean, it's hiring is one thing and then retaining yeah. is another. I, I would imagine that your workers stick around for a while. <laughs> Sometimes too long. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, our our back of house is pretty good. They stick around. I mean, pre-pandemic they didn't. We were having the same problems as as everybody. Yeah. You know, we were just like it was a revolving door here. Um, but we've sort of managed to uh, keep a team this time around, and we're paying them more. They're probably all getting at least eight dollars more than they were beforehand. Um, and our front of house is pretty stable. I mean, if I'd like to say we've had people who worked here for like years and years and, and we don't, uh, but it's a service job. And I think that uh, if we can get people to stay to, for like a year, year and a half, then we're pretty good. As long as people aren't like, you know, here for a week and then leave. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. happening Which all over. All, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about how, like, the operation side and the technology side. We're powered by Back of House, which is the which is very focused on the tech side of restaurants. So, I'd love to hear about a little bit about your approach to technology in your restaurants. And I'm sure that there's a difference between how Dirt Candy is run versus uh, QSR and the burger the burger place that you have as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're not that interesting. Um, the, <laughs> we have a POS handheld system, and um, that's we're pretty simple here. It's a really small operation, both of them, so it's not uh, you know small meaning simple too, though, right? It probably doesn't needlessly complicate any things, but yeah. And our we have two different systems. Uh, they're mm-hmm. uh, Leca is, I think, Toast, and here we're something else. Um, and uh, yeah. So- so no robot servers anytime soon. <laughs> no, but you know what's actually really funny is we're not on the cutting edge anymore. But when I had Little Dirt Candy, uh, mm-hmm. we uh, we were like the first restaurant to use like actually a handheld uh, to take our to take the orders because there was no room um, for a screen. for terminal. Yeah, yeah, there was just like I remember we had that. to make a choice. I remember that sticking out. I was like, what are they yeah. doing? I was yeah. So we had, you know, we made a choice which screen we wanted and, and we went with the open table because I was like, I need a, like somebody to deal with reservations and we can deal with this. And so we had a terminal in the basement, like uh, the main one, but uh, everybody, you know, we had blackberries. It was so long ago and I oh my God. on the table with our like blackberries, but it was very cutting edge at the time. Now everybody does it. <laughs> That's so funny. You're, <laughs> That's you were awesome. tech savvy before it was cool. So it yeah. doesn't, you know. <laughs> you you already yeah. beat everyone to the punch. Doesn't you don't have well, to? We had been at the like restaurant show, the Javits Center, and we were like, "What are we gonna do?" And like there was like this lonely table, and then these people were like, "Do you want to do your POS on a BlackBerry?" And I was like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like finally our first customer. <laughs> and you know <laughs> it's so. Yeah, and it's so normal now, and you see people going up to tables with their phones or what looks like a phone and taking orders yeah. and stuff. But really, then people were like, "Are you texting while you're taking our order?" Like, no, I'm taking your order with my stylist. Oh yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's like when you sit in meetings and you're you're on your phone taking notes, yeah. and everyone thinks you're texting. And it's like, no, I'm actually just like note taking. But yeah, exactly. oh, that's funny. Um, I had a I had a question for you. So, uh, I know technology and stuff aside. Um, 
I, like I said, I've been lucky enough to live near your restaurant for since it's been open, even after you moved. And I've, I've always enjoyed a lot of the fun. You've always been able to throw kind of like fun projects out. And like, I've, I've consumed a lot of local food media and you're always in there because you're doing something else fun. But what I really appreciated was things like uh, the, I went to university in Canada as well. And you had your yeah. Canadian pop-ups. That was yeah. like the only place you could go. <laughs> you get a Moosehead beer or a killer bloody Caesar and right. hang out and yep. And poutine and just have a great time. Do you, that shows that like, obviously you're hearkening to your Canadian heritage and I love that, but do you, what the, like, how does that sort of thing, have you seen that helping you out a lot in your journey? Like being able to get creative like that, has it like kind of reinvigorated you? Has it helped your business? Like, is it the sort of thing that uh, you enjoy? Like, I, I just curious because a lot of <laughs> people who work themselves up to a stature like yours kind of don't want to do stuff like that anymore, but I was right. thrilled to see that that was your thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things with the restaurant is it's not, I, I just miss Canada, so I like having the Canadian bar. But with other also, to you, you, you throw up a Canadian flag in New York, and people show up in droves. I, I tell you right now, they they love it. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not a we're not a neighborhood restaurant. We're not a restaurant that like even if you love, you're going to come like once a week and during the pandemic when it was much more casual. We certainly have people do that, but you know, people come four times a year, um, but they like us, and and I think they would come and support us more and. We'll probably start them again, but we used to have wine dinners, and uh, we've got like this this core group of regulars who would come, and so these special nights are a way to sort of like see our favorite people, but not ask them to come, uh, you know, <laughs> for the same menu four times in a season. It 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 breaks it up for them, and it's fun for us, you know. We. It's, it's only three months that we do a menu for, but sometimes it can feel incredibly long. So, it's, you know, by the time the end of the third month and you're still cooking the same bowl of kale pasta, you kind of want to, you know, go crazy. So it's a way to engage my cooks. And we usually let them have a lot of uh, say in what we serve. That's awesome. That's good, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about the future now of plant-based dining in general. So I know that tastes and habits in America have evolved, but in some ways we're, I mean, in many ways, actually, we're still a very meat-heavy dining culture. So how do you see the plant-based space evolving, evolving in the years to come? Uh, I think it's going to keep evolving. I, I think it's a, it's a slow road. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, the things don't change overnight. Uh but sort of America's sort of meat focus really came yeah. out of after, well, after the Depression and after World War II, right? And so it became mm -hmm. very, it's a real symbol status to eat meat every night. And, um, right. you know, that generation, those generations are um, slowly changing how they eat or maybe not eating anymore. I don't know how to put yeah. that delicately, but they're sort of moving yeah. out of the, like, uh, the core demographic of eaters. Um, mm -hmm. So as the next generation comes up and their tastes really sort of take hold, I think that's when you're really going to see it. But, uh, you know, we were certainly, I'm almost 50, and uh, that's sort of how I was raised. Uh, well, my family didn't eat much, but my friends' families, uh, you know, having a steak or a piece of meat every night for dinner was really, like, a big deal. Right. And I think sort right. of that's going to, you know, <laughs> it's really a generational thing. And so it takes the time it takes for us to change all those eating habits. Yeah, it is it's foundational. The, so how about the future of like the plant based? Do you think we're going to see more of the um, like I'm thinking of like plant based seafood or plant based burger, or plant based chicken varieties? How do you feel about because I, I know 
Beyond Meat's taken a, taken a hit recently, but I still feel like the appetite, for lack of a better term, is still there. I mean, I, I still buy them, so. Yeah, I mean, those companies, there's so many companies out there doing so many things. Like, I get, yeah. like, a couple of samples of different things every week, so it's, it's definitely not slowing down. Um, yeah. I think probably my guess... And, and I actually really appreciate these companies working really hard to do this because to me it's sort of like a gateway food. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, I like a burger and I like a, you know, that impossible or beyond burger. That's not so right. bad. And so I'll have one of those once a week and then, oh, maybe I'll try this other veggie burger. And, and so it's a way for people to, to keep trying different foods in a way that, uh, you know, a, a veggie burger didn't, for whatever reason, didn't appeal to the mainstream for mm-hmm. years, these sort of, you know, uh, mean analogs have really captured uh, the public's fascination. And hopefully that'll sort of, you know, keep changing their eating habits. So, yeah, I, I think they're here to stay. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to going an omakase experience that's entirely plant-based one day. I think <laughs> yeah, that'll be... That'll happen. I mean, that'll be something, I feel true. like. Right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Maybe probably I just came somewhere. up with the next idea. <laughs> there, yeah, probably there, there probably is. is. There probably is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Amanda. This was great. Um, but before you go, we do a little thing at the end here called the tasting menu where we ask you really three quick questions. First thing that comes to mind. First question, all-time favorite vegetable to eat or to cook with? Onion. I put that in a lot of things too. <laughs> yeah. It always it jazzes up anything. Yeah. Any celebrity sightings in your restaurant that you are excited about? Oh, we get lots of the celebrity sightings, but I can't talk about them or they don't come back. Oh, oh that's no. true. She's a good New Yorker. You're good. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. Man, I wanted to hear about T Swift or something coming into the restaurant. You'll get Justin like, Trudeau eventually. I feel like he'll be he'll be popping right? through or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And obviously we're kicking off the new year here. Any goals for 2023 or what would make 2023 2023 a real success for you? Honestly, just to keep doing what we're doing. Every that's yeah. our goal is always to get a little bit better the next day. So if we can keep yeah. doing that, then I'll be pretty happy. Awesome, good answer. Okay. I feel yeah. the same way. If our podcast is still going, that's a successful 2023, <laughs> <Exactly>. right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. We'll have this conversation again in a year, and we'll think we'll yeah. think back on that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you the conversation today, and huzzah to plant based eating. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks much, man. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Want to hear more? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, and interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for our free newsletter, Back of House News. Our team of reporters cuts through the noise and gives you the headlines that you really need to see each and every week. This is honestly one of the best weekly newsletters I've ever read, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore news and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. No!